0: you Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest uh, space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com.
1: And I'm your other host. My name is Chris Henry of the EAA Aviation Museum.
0: And uh, we are still going up, up, up into the into the deep blue or dark black of space. <laughs> And, uh, we I love had... that
1: transition out the window. By the way, we see with uh, uh, it goes from you know blue sky to black. You know, yeah, pretty neat.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great looking thing. Um, we watch uh, uh, the, the James Horner music comes up, and uh, all of a sudden uh, on the on the dashboard, one of the lights goes out the center the center light for the S two. I'm always amazed. I mean, that, that's a real thing. They really did have a have an indicator that was going to be used for. I forget it's something like uh, 100 and 170 seconds. I think is how long the S two burned. So it's it's, <laughs> it's used for less than three minutes of the flight, and it, it's going to be on the dashboard for the rest of the the mission. Wow! Uh, so, but that that center that center engine goes out on the on the second stage of it, uh, according to uh, NASA and the official the official document describing Apollo thirteen. Uh, the S2 engine, after ignition, due to high amplitude oscillations in the propulsion structural system, the S2 center engine shut down at 5 minutes 30 sec- 30.64 seconds, 132 seconds earlier than planned. The early shutdown caused considerable deviations from the planned trajectory. The altitude at shutdown was 10.7 nautical miles lower. And the velocity was 5,685 feet per second slower than expected. So they were having a uh, that you know losing 20 percent of your engine is not not a good day. I mean, I, if it, <laughs> yeah. it's it, uh, I mean, it, it's probably not that big a deal if you were say flying a jet that had five engines on it for some reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, well, people always you know the thing that always kind of amazed me was when you're flying a twin-engine airplane, and I think a lot of people real think that. You know, you find a twin-engine airplane, you lose an engine, you lost fifty percent of your power. Well, that's not true. That's fifty percent of your produced power. You didn't lose fifty percent of your energy, though. Uh, the airplane was never designed to be a single-engine airplane, so you've lost actually something closer to about seventy percent uh, of your power. It's yeah, not, you, you've got it's a boat just, anchor, <laughs>
0: right? Exactly. Yeah, so it's a, this. This is a severe, a severe event there. So, you know, it's a lot of trouble, and even the even the orchestra noticed how much trouble. <laughs> trouble there was there, there, the chimpanzees <laughs> start coming up and they're everybody's playing minor notes on the thing uh level calls out we've got to send our engine cut off, or, or we go for the other four so this you know this is something that they they trained for this is one of the you know one of the many things that that they went through on the simulators of what to do in case an engine went out or two engines went out or or whatever so they just opened up their big book of what to do next on plan b and uh uh Capcom looks at, uh, looks at Kranz and mission, uh, and mission Control turns to Booster, who's down there in the front of the trenches, and says, Booster, can you confirm that center engine cutoff? And this is Roger. We looks like we lost it. So then right next to him, uh, the flight dynamics officer, Kranz, asks, uh, what's that going to do to our, uh, our trajectory? And so Fido gets out the, uh, you know, calls the back office and he says, I need to know what the, uh, if the... Instrument unit, the, the the big computer that that composes most of uh, the midsection of the Saturn of the S four B uh, third stage, uh, to th- that's that's figuring out well if I lose this run this and, and so it the uh, that instrument instrument unit computer that's up up in the in, in the Apollo uh, calculates that if it can't if it doesn't have that kind of power it's gonna have to just keep using the fuel through the other four remaining engines and uh it takes a little bit of time for them to get that information i mean it it's it probably only took maybe five or six seconds to find out but it must have seemed like an eternity while they were waiting to find out whether they were going to have to abort (laughs) and uh level calls down with what's the story on engine five and fido says it looks good we're still go it's all right as long as we don't lose another one because then they would have to go to an abort mode as we were talking about yesterday, there's different abort modes for different phases of the flight. And since they've already lost their, or they've jettisoned, their, they didn't lose it, they did it on purpose. They got rid of their launch escape tower. Uh, they're now in what's known as mode two, which uh, they're basically in space. And they just have to figure out whether they're going to land or if they're going to go to orbit and just abort into orbit. And uh, this particular mode too, where they're at now, if they decided, you know, you know if Jim Lovell pulled that handle, uh, what would happen next would be the uh, second stage would be jettisoned, and that S four B would uh, would pick up the slack of the uh, of the the second stage. I am not sure. I was trying to figure out the calculations, but I I don't know. But it looks like under under this particular mode too. The uh, S-4B would be able to ma- get them into orbit, and then uh, they could do an, uh, you know, an Earth orbital mission. They wouldn't be able to go to the moon. They wouldn't have enough fuel because the S-4B would use up all the, the fuel they were going to use for the translunar injection. So uh, they would have a, you know, they could do an, uh, some Earth observation stuff. It would be kind of sad, but they would just have to stay in Earth orbit and, and then come down you know, on, a, on an Earth orbital mission with a, a useless lunar module the you know it, it it's it, but it's i mean you think about this is a, this is a saturn 5 if it, the whole the story would be a lot different if something happened to say on a saturn 1b where you only had the oh, first yeah. stage that that cluster of uh of eight tubes which were basically taken out of uh, uh redstone rockets there's there's uh seven redstone rockets surrounding a center jupiter uh core so that you know if, if any of those failed and you had to try to make it to orbit with the s4b which was a shorter s4b on the uh, on the saturn 1b uh it probably wouldn't make orbit i mean it, it what it, what you'd be trying to do at that point is run the s4b so that you could at least make it to the other side of the atlantic so that they wouldn't come down in the cold waters of the atlantic and it would come down in, like the south atlantic down, you know out near africa or maybe jump over africa and get to india so that uh or the indian ocean at least so that the uh they had a survivable uh, mission when they you know when they when they came out of out of orbit but on a on a saturn 1b i don't think they would be able to make orbit at that at that point in the flight simply because it, they didn't have a second stage to get them as far as they did so far
1: yeah there, there's a few things that were lucky that Happened. I mean, of course, one of which being that they were on a Saturn V. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other one, and I'm not giving away spoilers here. Uh, I think we've all you know, seen the movie or know about the mission. But um, you know, I think Franken mentioned to me once it was a good thing that this happened on on uh, Apollo 13 rather than Apollo 8. Um, yeah. You know, because there was no lunar module on Apollo 8. Oh yeah. And uh, it could have been a kind of a catastrophe.
0: Yeah, and it was yeah. I mean, they'd have 15 minutes of oxygen, and they were ten, you know, ten days away from getting home. So yeah. not a good, not a good equation to solve. Yeah, yeah, and and this is I mean, you got to put this in context of where where things were. The Apollo 13 had followed Apollo 12 the previous fall. Apollo 12 was struck by lightning and uh, lost its uh, electrical system briefly. I mean, or at least it lost its connection to its electrical system. It still operated. It's just the astronauts weren't informed on what was going on with their ship uh, and thanks to uh, quick thinking by uh, folks on the ground uh, to know to reset the signal conditioning equipment uh, they they saved that flight but this is just another another place in a, a launch system where it went bad again so,
1: switching sce to
0: auxiliary <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it uh yes yeah, it, it it was a fortune a fortunate moment but uh, this is you know I, I can imagine the guys in flight dynamics and booster must just not again. I really really don't want to relive this. <laughs> you, you know, I again this is an, another thing about when we talked with uh we talked with Fredo uh, earlier about how many people do do stuff that we're seeing kind of the front lines, but there's a whole bunch of other people working on things. I mean, when when the flight dynamics guy is looking at what the what the options are for them, he's got a whole room full of people behind him confirming what he's telling Crans uh, about the mission that, you know, that they can, they can continue on. Th- these are the kind of the board of directors, but there's the whole company behind each of them is, is the, the way to, the way to look at it.
1: Well, I think there was something like 400,000 people that worked on Apollo. Yeah. And they always said that the astronauts, you know, the astronauts always felt that they, they were the most visible aspect of it, of course, but you know, there were so many people that, you know, that helped get them there.
0: Lovell is concentrating on, his equipment still works, so he's still thinking about poor old Pete Conrad, who was sitting in that same chair that he's in right now. He, you know, at least he's he, he's looking around. He says, "I've I've got I've got information being provided to me by the ship. the The gimbals look okay, and and the trim is all right. So everything's working. And they'll just have to trust their their instruments and make sure that it goes. And that that is always a a difficult part in in trusting your instruments, at least from what I've what I've seen, especially. Want to talk with people who you know go for their instrument ratings on, on aircraft, and that that's always a, a difficult moment when you put the hood on. I can't imagine you know <laughs> putting the hood on when you're in a when you're in a three hundred sixty foot spacecraft.
1: Well, I tell you, I, I mean, flying under the hood in uh, general aviation and uh, flight training, or going for your instrument, your your brain and your body are absolutely telling you one thing, and the airplane is doing something else um it, it's really interesting when you're flying on instruments and things like that if you didn't have instruments and you were just looking out the window um it's amazing to to that you lose a sense of what attitude the aircraft is in you know when you're just looking out at gray you, you'd swear you're keeping everything level um but uh you aren't so thankfully uh you know we do have the instruments on board to space on the aircraft and uh but uh, it's interesting when you first go under the hood the first time that's a very interesting flight i can say that.
0: <laughs> yeah I, I just keep picturing a lot of crying and screaming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this can't be right this can't work but yeah, yeah.
1: a lot of beer afterwards. <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: Uh um when you, when you're on when you're doing that when you're on final do you actually do you actually touch down under the hood? No no no. Okay, not
1: yeah.
0: Um i
1: if you, I'm trying to remember how we did it, but uh, I don't believe we landed under the. We shot the approach up till um, I believe final, and then we, you know, and for the most part, if you think about it, uh, it while you're training, especially in the face of training, that you know, like I did, you're you're gonna break out. You're gonna see the airport eventually. Yeah. Um. So there is no reason to land under the hood. You're not gonna land like that. Uh, unless you start really going into working for the airlines or something like that where, but even then you have a company minimum, you're not going to land in hard IFR without ever seeing the airport most times. Yeah. Um,
0: Even, even like cat 3a, you've got, you've got to have like, some minimums that you have
1: to hit that, that you're, you've got to see the airport or the lights or the light, the lighting environment and, and all the stuff. I mean, there's rules for it. So, um, but, you know, especially under your training, like those first flights under the bag, like you, you don't, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're not going to land under that or anything, and and of yeah. course you have a safety pilot on board with you, your instructor's with you, you're yeah, not flying yeah. by yourself doing that either. Yeah, so.
0: they're looking out the window and going, no, 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 you're, you're, <laughs> you're right, exactly. In the trees. Yeah, yeah, um, and you yeah, know, and the other thing is that Lovell is a naval aviator, and he was, you know, he had to shoot approaches out, out at sea in the fog. I mean, he even tells that story later on in the movie, but it's it's like you. You really work under limited visibility, especially uh, you know in a in a plane where you might be able to look up, but you can't look down. You can't see what's what's going on. I mean, I've I've sat in the cockpit of a of a seven forty seven, and I was really um, amazed at the the limited visibility you have for for ground level. Uh, that you you can't oh, yeah. really you can't really see your you know where the wings are and where you're touching the. I mean, you can look you can kind of look back and see see where the wings are. But just seeing where the nose of the ship is as, com- as compared with what's underneath it, it's very uh, disorienting. So uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, a trust in the instruments is uh, is vital. Um, oh yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> okay. I'm getting sweaty palms just thinking about that. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, generally a good minute. I mean, and I do, and I do like. One of th- one of the particular things that I like about this minute, and it, uh, I think there's there's something like this in every minute that y- you get a, a certain sense of things. And I-, I like the way that even this is even though this is all happening, you know, in real time, they might be sitting around. And you take if you take the music out of this minute, it's here's a problem. We'll work the problem, and we we will go with the agreed upon solution. And these guys might as well be sitting around a conference table rather than staring at a screen and things like that they're like well okay what's next what do we do and this i mean this is like you know an air air traffic i would assume is about the same way that you see a problem you've you've uh you've trained for that problem and uh you you use the uh, the agreed upon fixes
1: well i think that's exactly right i think training is the key uh in air traffic you trained so much for the worst so that when it happens or when something goes off or is an emergency there's really no sense of panic you just kind of without even thinking about it you uh, you kind of just know what to do you know one of the things that uh, happened to me as an air traffic controller i remember was you know they tell you the minute that something goes wrong you know, you have a little notepad sitting in front of you and they said just start jotting down the minutes of when the first call came when this happens you know anything vital just write down them just make a little note a minute Uh, like 52 after the hour, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, there's no way I'm ever going to remember that, you know, if I have an emergency. And my first emergency I ever had in the tower, uh, I didn't even think about it. And when the emergency had come to a conclusion and everybody was safe, I happened to look at my notepad, and sure as heck, I had done it. And I had... (laughs) Didn't even think about it, but I had made those little notes of, of of everything and made my reporting, all my paperwork easier. I can tell you no, that. Oh yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was nice. Uh, but yeah, it was something that you know that training just automatically kicks in. And you don't even you don't even think about
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think that 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 comes up here. I mean, they're showing drama, and I'm sure they were. It was a dramatic moment when you think, uh-oh, I've I've lost an engine. This is this is this has never happened before in the history of the Apollo uh, you know, launch schedule. So they, but they've already trained for it. So they knew what to do. And, uh, it all, it all turned out okay, at least to, to get them into orbit.
1: Something else I think is important here is Gene Kranz's leadership, you know, and that was something that, that, that Gene had always uh, conveyed to me was, um, I wasn't going to second guess my team. My team was there because they were the best in the industry. So yep. if they said we're go on that other engine or go w- without that engine, I wasn't about to second-guess those guys they were the best okay good I'll take your word for it and they that kind of shows a little bit here where you know he says nope we're good to go and Gene's good with it
0: yeah yeah and I, I think I think he'd have to do that you know coming into work every day he had to say to himself not only was he the best at what he did but he had the best team he he had to feel confident that and especially in the in the wake of Apollo 1 where you know things things were you know slipped by that that whole idea about being competent and uh, and being responsible for for your for your uh you know you're the authority you know making those the watchwords of uh, of mission control gave him the ability to go to work every day and say we're going to we're going to get the job done so it's uh it really is a, a test i mean this is a movie but this is how it really was they they really gave testament to the the credo of uh of mission control being competent i'm glad they, they came through in the movie oh and yeah same did, here the, the other thing i noticed is just it was just for basis of time this is all before post-it notes yeah i, was, I keep thinking about how many like those screens <laughs> those screens if this had been done you know a decade later they would have been covered with post-it notes and little memory clips and thing you know stuff to remember this code remember this was the attitude three days ago and this is what we got to check and i just had a feeling that's that's what it would look like in uh, in mission control um i haven't i don't recall seeing what mission control looked like in the 80s but i have a feeling that there were probably lots of post-it notes
1: (laughs) yeah that would be uh if it looks anything like my office there would be a lot of (laughs) post-it notes in there for sure i can tell you that (laughs)
0: wow well, another great minute, uh, and we'll we'll have more minutes to come. There's uh, they're not quite in orbit yet, so it's uh, and they have they have a solution to this uh, second stage. So let's let's uh, let's hold off until tomorrow, and we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the S four B tomorrow. That's that tomorrow's the S four B's day. Um, if you'd like to uh, catch up with previous episodes that you may have missed, go to our big website Apollo thirteen minutecom Apollo one three You can download all the previous episodes and read summaries of the different mem- minutes. Uh, You can also find us on, uh, if you want to subscribe and get it delivered hot and fresh every day, go to iTunes or to Google Play, type in, uh, under the search bar, type in Apollo 13 Minute. You should be able to get it delivered to you hot and fresh every day. Uh, We are also available on social media. Of course, on the Facebook, we are available at the Apollo 13 Minute Mission Control and on Twitter at Apollo 13 Minute. It looks like we're coming up on... Lost the signal in about 30 seconds, so we will catch you here tomorrow. Be back with us on the Apollo 13 Minute.